coronavirus has been devastating to this country. Beyond the sickness and the economic devastation is an array of collateral issues, including a significant rise in risk for anxiety and depression. For those who are already suffering from these conditions, the risk of increased attacks is significant. But physical and emotional exhaustion can make those who may have never, ever suffered a panic attack suddenly succumb. Listen and learn what you need to know. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share so you can help someone else who's also in need. Hi, I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert sourced, expert vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. And I'm thrilled to welcome back Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum, a board certified internist and nationally known expert in the fields of chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, sleep, and pain, all of which can have elements of anxiety and depression as part of the disease profile. Dr. Teitelbaum has written 10 books, including From Fatigue to Fantastic and Real Causes, Real Cures, which will soon be published by Bottom Line Inc. You can learn more about Dr. Teitelbaum and his work at vitality101.com, and you can buy some of his specially formulated products at nfatigue.com. Jake, welcome back to talk to me. Sarah, always great to be with you. And today, we're going to go ahead and let people know how knowledge is power. And we're going to give you a few simple understandings that are going to put you back in control of the situation so you can both feel safe and be safe. Uh, Really, Sarah, this is not a time to be afraid. This is simply a time for caution and empowerment through knowledge. And that's what we're going to do today for folks. I firmly agree. And you've, you're in charge. <laughs> you, you, have, you have set the stage. So yes, um, what we wanted to talk about today, and you and I are doing a series of podcasts together. We did one a few weeks ago on chronic fatigue. We have more that are going to be coming up. But today we really thought with the COVID-19 quarantine, the virus growing, starting to bend a curve, but just the anxiety as people are at home And as people are looking at financial challenges and the stress of being home and will they get sick, won't they get sick, masks and not masks, that there's a whole level of anxiety and depression that is coming on. That's an aspect of all of this. And I think it's really important, and you and I talked about it, that people need to tend to that. It's not just the virus that people are now having to deal with, but there's a lot of anxiety and depression going on. So sort of like, what are you seeing? Well, first of all, I see people panic. They're acting, and and this is understandable given the misinformation they've been given, as if this is like the bubonic plague and it's going to kill everybody. And if you, they figure if they get a, a, a little cough, they're dead. And it's just not so. So, Sarah, let me give folks a bit of perspective. Number one, um, in the United States each year, far more people die from heart attacks, strokes, um, even viral hepatitis, and a host of other things that we have year in, year out, than are going to die from coronavirus. Um, just looking at the flu, the flu last year in the United States was no big deal, wasn't, you know, media chaos on it. 60,000 people passed. So this virus is looking like it's going to be maybe twice as deadly as just a regular flu. And you weren't all panicked about the regular flu, and there's no need for panic here, too. Um, And a lot of us are worried, not just for us, but how about for our children? And for children, this is no worse than any other crud that they normally get that helps build their immune system. And for most of you, um, it's not going to be a big deal. You know, the, the plague, to put it in perspective, killed you know, half of the people in Europe when it went through. 
Um, this is likely going to kill less than one-tenth of one percent of people. I mean, the odds, you have a higher chance of winning the lotto than of dying from this illness. So, well, so, but let me, let me be your own, you know, and I've, I've made that same case in other places where I've talked about, I mean, that the number of people that die from the flu every year, the number of people that die from other things, although this seems to have at least at present a slightly higher mortality rate than the flu. But is it with those things, there's an element of control because they have, people think even though the flu vaccine only works about 50% of the time, they have this perception of control. They have, you know, somehow they think that, you know, Tamiflu helps them. Heart disease, they're drugs that people take. Is part of what's going on here that has created this absolute, you know, crazy fear that there's there's nothing in the toolbox and people are assuming that that, you know, makes it even worse, even though, again, there's never been a treatment for the flu. People just get it. They suck it up. They they most people get through it and a percentage of them every year quietly on not on not on the new you know not on the tv news every night pass away sadly mm -hmm. and the reason why this one is a little bit different is because the mode of death is it causes a pneumonia that needs uh, rest ventilators and intensive care unit where most of the flu doesn't so because of that the issue isn't that you're more likely to die the issue is that the healthcare system may get overwhelmed um, and because of that, they want to slow things down. That's the whole reason for social distancing is to slow down how quickly people are getting it so the healthcare system is not overwhelmed. It's not because it's going to kill you. And you know, I don't know, though. That, you know, that's what they started out saying. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, that's what they started out saying, was that it was to bend the curve and slow for the healthcare system. But if you listen to the way people are talking, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there isn't another aspect of this absolute desire for zero sickness and zero that there's a like becoming this zero tolerance of anybody getting it which will have us all never getting out of our house yeah there's a little bit of the witch hunt and control mentality but you know so i would ignore most of that what my goal is to give you the information give the listener the information so you know what's really going on um, I don't take money from either side or any of this stuff. So, and I'm not here to sell advertising like the news media is. I'm here to simply inform. That's my job as a physician. So, the first of all, you made a really good point, Sarah. You know, people feel helpless and hopeless here, and you don't need to be. There is so much that you could do to really both prevent your getting the virus, in addition to the social distancing and the rest and also um, to make the virus much more mild, just like a normal cold, if you do get it. So if for those of you listening, you have a piece of paper and a pen, write this down. Number one, go online and get some zinc, Z-I-N-C, get a zinc supplement, because zinc is poison to this virus. Um, if When I go out and about, I have a zinc lodgings in my mouth, because if, a zinc, if one of the viruses happens to find a way into my mouth or nose, um, and I have a zinc lodgings in my mouth, it will probably kill it because it kills it on contact. Um, and then the zinc is also uh, critical for immune function. It's likely the single most important nutrient. And um, there's a whole bunch of research looking at this, both for the coronavirus and in general. Um, so what I'm recommending for, for everybody is they take 50, that's five zero milligrams of zinc 
a day. Now this is cheap. Usually it's 10 cents for the 50 milligram pill. I mean, now they're marketing up to 50 cents, but it's not expensive. And last I checked yesterday, they still had on Amazon. Um, that one simple thing, and I would also add vitamin C 500 milligrams a day um, and vitamin D 1,000 units a day. That combo dramatically improves immunity and makes your body a pretty unwelcome home for the virus. And it makes it easier for your body to kill it off more quickly. So that simple thing, I, I just have people take a multivitamin. I, I like the energy revitalization system multivitamin. That's what I put pretty much everybody on that I treat. And it's one drink a day. It's not expensive. And it has 15 milligrams of zinc, 500 of C and 1,000 of D and a whole bunch of other stuff. And that just makes a great big difference. Doing that, uh, staying hydrated, uh, getting your eight hours sleep a night. We don't pay enough attention that good sleep is critical for your immune system to work properly. So now that you don't have to be at work the next morning necessarily, at, you know, bright and early, get your eight hours of shut-eye. And you do these three simple things, and you're going to find that your body is going to be really set up to keep the coronavirus mild or to have you not get it at all. That's awesome. So now that they don't have to worry as much, as you said, you know, worry is a key component to anxiety and to depression. Um, let's talk a little bit about, like, is it different? And do we do need, we need to talk to people differently because there are many people that already have anxiety or already have depression. And is there a difference in talking to them and what the way they need to filter all of this, that it, the, the problem will be exacerbated versus there are people out there who have never had a panic attack in their life and they suddenly may find their head swirling and their chest pounding. Yeah, especially, you know, since panic attacks tend to cause shortness of breath. And then they, everybody's saying, well, if you're short of breath, you're going to die. Ah, no, that's not the case. So um, it's really important for people to understand where their information comes from and what's behind it. So, for example, Mark Twain uh, put it really well. You know, his reporters have said that, you know, if if you don't read the news, you're uninformed. But if you do read the news, you're misinformed. And it's mm. only gotten worse since then. Thomas Jefferson was even less gracious about it than Mark Twain was. The stuff that you're watching on the news, and God bless them, I love them. They even like, they like me, and I'm still lucky. I'm quoted day in and day out in the media. If I'm quoted correctly, where it actually gets across what I was saying, 20% of the time, that's been a good week. Um, there's so many times I go through, you know, I go through a checkout line at the supermarket. I pull a magazine off the rack there, and I'm looking through it, and I'm reading, and I says, what idiot said this? And I keep reading the quote, and it says, says Dr. Teitelbaum, not a word in there is what I said. Right. What is on the news? Unless you're in bottom line personal, because you always get to review what we publish. I love bottom line, because bottom line is one of the 20% that they get across exactly what I'm saying, and they get across correct information. Um, I... Yes, that's why I love working with bottom line. There's very few meticulous outlets about that it. do that, but there are they are very few and far between. Yeah, let's take a moment actually, because there may be people there who have never had a panic attack. Can you talk for a second, I'll call it, how, to to those people that suddenly find their head pounding? Like, what do you need to know to come a panic attack? How do you know it is a panic attack? Um, so that we don't have everybody running to the emergency room thinking that they're suddenly dying of a heart attack. I think that's an important thing for people to possibly hear right now. Yep. So let me give you a simple thing, because for shortness of breath, um, many of you are going to find that 
uh, with the anxiety, you'll have shortness of breath. Sometimes if you get numbness and tingling around your lips, that goes all the way on both sides, right and left of your face, numbness in your lips, there's virtually nothing besides a panic attack that will do that. Um, if you find you're breathing really deeply and it feels like you're taking just a little tiny breath, that's usually hyperventilation. A normal breath is half a liter or a quart. A full breath is 10 times as big. But if it feels like that full breath is just a little tiny thing, then that's usually hyperventilation. But a nice, simple way to distinguish, guys, if you're having a shortness of breath and it's at rest and it doesn't get worse with walking, you know, that's more like anxiety. If at rest you're not short of breath, but you get up and you walk to the bathroom and that makes you short of breath, that's when you need to be checking in with your doctor. Um, so the anxiety, it's not shortness of breath on exertion, where with the virus it is. I had somebody, I interviewed someone many years ago who said, if you if you feel like you know your, your, your heart starts beating and, you're, and you get that shortness of breath, do some jumping jacks. And it, either it'll get worse or it'll get better. And if it gets worse, <laughs> you stop, then you know you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's it just, you know, uh, the other thing you can do, and I'm not recommending it because you're going to curse my name if you do it, is if you breathe, if you can't take a deep, deep enough breath and you breathe more rapidly <gasps> and you suddenly feel like you're getting more air, then that's one thing. But if you do that and you feel like you're going to die, then you're hyperventilating. But I don't recommend that right now. But that's I don't like that one. Do it. <laughs> I like jumping jacks better. <laughs> I think that's, that one's a little bit more tame. We don't need them passing out. Um, all right. Well, thank you for that. All right. So let's talk about um, the lack. Let's talk a little bit more about lack of control and suppressed emotions. And that, you know, again, underneath that, or what's underneath anxiety and depression and what's, you know, exacerbating it and, and how do people that have been suffering from this tune it out and try to well anxiety and depression a lot of that is associated with and anger because those tend to go together in some cases it tends to be associated with a sense of powerlessness um if that you don't have control over your situation and that is simply not the situation here. With the simple things we're going to talk about today, and I'm, let me mention too, because there's so much misinformation out there, on my website on vitality101.com, I'm putting on an information sheet that will tell you about the virus, what you need to know. There'll be a bunch of frequently asked questions and a way that you can ask me questions as well uh, from my website. And I, I can't get to all of them, uh, but the ones that are short and of a general nature that apply to people, I try to get to those. Um, so on vitality101.com, there's going to be uh, a link that goes to the I might link to my research center that has will keep you up to date on what's going on with the COVID-19. Knowledge is power. Like I started when we talked to show, that's the first thing I said for a reason. Um, you are not powerless here. And the, the first step is to turn off the TV because it is nonsense meant to scare you to death so you will watch 24 7 and they can sell a lot of advertising turn the dang thing off and that's a really good start and i think also you know one of the things that's so fearful and we talked about it a little bit before that 
they don't have a treatment. Like there isn't a vaccine. There's, you know, there isn't this safety net. So I think that your advice of the, you know, zinc and vitamin C and vitamin D to at least give them that, let them feel like they can, they're, they're a little more protected with their immune system. And we'll talk about some other treatments for anxiety and depression in a minute. Well, so let's talk about treatment for the virus itself, because before I go there, before I go there, actually, let's okay. let's before we get there, one second, because I have a question. Um, how much does your bodies? Let's talk about the state of people's bodies, right? Because some people's, when we were talking about chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia, there was a lot about the state of people's bodies and exhaustion and adrenal exhaustion, and that there there's a an environment in a strong body and an environment in a in a more vulnerable body. Mm-hmm. So what are, are there things that people need to be aware in their body that will make them more vulnerable to these things? Exactly. Right? Whether diet, sleep, lack of exercise, things like that. Yes. So we talked about the importance of zinc, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Um, we didn't talk about the importance of sugar because sugar, uh, one can of soda suppresses your immune system by 30% for three hours. It doesn't mean you can't have some sweets here and there, but you know, don't go with the sodas where you get, if you have one of those 48 ounce big burp sodas, that's 36 spoons of sugar. That's just utterly insane. Say that Um, again. That was a huge statement. One can of soda suppresses your immune system for three hours by 30%. Three hours, 36 hours. Yes. Uh, for three, three hours by 30%. Three hours. Uh, that's so if somebody had soda. a soda and then goes to the grocery store, everyone's running around with their masks and, and social distancing. But if they're sitting at home drinking cola, Coca-Cola and then they go outside, they've just opened up the gates to getting sick. Is that what you're saying, pretty much? Kind of. You know, better to, the, one can make the argument <laughs> that the main health benefit to you of wearing a mask is that you won't be drinking sodas. I mean, that actually... <laughs> Was probably, probably be true, you know. <laughs> so this again, you guys, the masks don't protect you as much as they maybe protect other people from your coughing on them. You know, it's just it's, right. it's a craziness. All right. So depending on so again, if you if you haven't been fueling your body with good food, so mm-hmm. sugar, a soda, you know, I know it's funny. I've been sending trying to keep our team connected, and we send pictures each day of like your dogs or what you're eating for breakfast. And the amount of snacking that everybody's doing at home now, because you're right by the refrigerator and everybody's anxious, and the Cheez-Its and the popcorn and the cookie, like, what's that doing to people's vulnerability? Actually, not much. It's okay. It's Oh, it, that was a terrible answer. <laughs> I, I know. That's why I said it. Because, again, it's... I don't. You don't need to be walking on eggs about everything right. you do. You just need to have some common sense here. So right. you want to have some chocolate. Chocolate is actually a health food. It's fine. Have it in moderation. Right. Um, if you want to have some popcorn, that's fine too. But again, the sodas and the fruit juices, those are laden with sugar. Those specifically suppress immunity. And so, you know, if you need the sodas, go with the diet sodas. Uh, they even have Zevia that are all natural, sugar-free stevia uh, sweetened. Those don't affect your immune system. Um, so, you know, don't make yourself crazy. Be gentle with yourself. When Have common sense in how you eat. And I used to uh, give lectures every year to the third graders when I lived on Chesapeake Bay. And, you know, the food is food and junk is junk. And I yes. tell the difference. Most of you listening are old enough that you can tell junk from food. So have predominantly healthy food. And occasionally, you know, how did, I'm going to quote Mark Twain again. He said, moderation in all things. Including moderation. moderation. Yeah, so yeah. it's okay to junk out sometimes. Just don't have that be your main dish. Yeah, no, I actually um, was thinking about 
again, the quality of food that gives your body, that makes you vulnerable to anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, which, you know, depletes your entire system, depletes your strength, depletes your hormones, depletes, like your body just can't function when, if you live on diets that are filled with that. And like, are there, are there other things that people are doing like this? I, I want people, like trying to get to the, the, the concept of, um, are people, depending on the state of their body, that they should be on the lookout for anxiety because of maybe, you know, if they have a lot of caffeine or they eat a lot of sugar or they're not sleeping enough or they're not exercising. So, Sarah, let me give you the biggie here. The biggie here is that there's a stress handler gland called the adrenal gland, and it's what helps us handle stress. It also is a key regulator of our immune function which means our ability to defend against infections and the rest. So, you know, I'm going to give people a very high-tech, complicated way to tell if they need adrenal support. So what you do is this. You ask your spouse or your a friend, do I get irritable when I'm hungry? You know, it's been called hangry uh, with an H in the front. And if they look at you and they all shake their head up and down like, yeah, you know, then your adrenals are fatigued. And... That is associated with, in my experience, with thousands of people, uh, where people are more likely to get infections and it's harder for it to go away. Um, so for people with adrenal fatigue, if you get irritable and hungry, that's the hallmark. If you find you get irritable, you eat, you feel better. Um, eating a high-protein, low-carb diet will decrease the tendency to anxiety because each time that adrenal stress hormone drops low because the adrenal glands fatigued, your blood sugar drops. And when your blood sugar drops, it triggers an adrenaline alarm because that's the only food that your brain can use is a carefully regulated amount of sugar in the blood. Um, And you get panic attacks and you get anxious. So you'll find that frequent small meals with high protein, low carbs during the day will soothe that out. Uh, The vitamin C we talked about earlier will do that too, Uh, but vitamin B5, adrenal glandulars, licorice are especially helpful. And for those of you who have that, what I'll use in the people I treat is something called Adrenaplex, A-D-R-E-N-A-P-L-E-X. And one or two in the morning will smooth that right out. That also contains licorice, which kills the virus. Um, you know, one of the recommendations I make if people do get the virus is to drink a cup or two of licorice tea a day, because not only does it help support um, the adrenal function, which supports immunity, uh, but in in China, they're using uh, licorice intravenously because it kills the virus. And a lot of this virus is not only in the lungs, but in the gut. And the licorice tea can... I, I suspect we'll get a good amount of the glycerizin, which is the active antiviral that's naturally found in licorice. Uh, it not just will help the adrenal and kill what's elsewhere in the body, but it may directly, especially for those with nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, uh, diarrhea from the disease. Uh, we don't know, but it may well have a direct effect. So if you get irritable and hungry, low sugar, high protein, frequent small meals, you probably, unless you have high blood pressure, need to increase your salt intake um, because your body will crave salt and and allow it as long as your blood pressure is not not high. Um, And then I would go with the Adrenoplex, which is really very effective for that. And for people with anxiety, uh, get rid of those frequent drops, drops in blood sugar that are often a trigger. Are there, how about, there's a, a great correlation 
I believe, between digestive issues and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, so should people who have digestive issues, if they've been, you know, if they're if they're constantly on the acid suppressants or if they have other IBS and things like that, do they need to be especially um, careful and protective of themselves that they don't fall into depression or anxiety through this? Uh, not so much. Let me flip it around a little uh, differently, Sarah, because huh? you're asking me, should should you be anxious about normal things so you don't get anxious? It's, no, no, no. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to, <laughs> no, I'm not trying to create it. I'm trying to find, like, have people, I'll call it, I don't like the... I want I want them to to watch out for depression or anxiety because it it's so easy to fall into it. I'm trying to find like the vulnerable places or the people that might you know be more vulnerable. So if they start if someone's got digestive issues, they start slipping and I start realizing, wow, I really am in kind of a malaise. Wow, I really do feel a little hopeless. That it may be their digestion that's making them vulnerable to all the rest of the noise. Okay, so so let me flip it around a little bit. For those of you who are feeling like you're having some depression or you're having anxiety, we've talked about a couple of the things for the anxiety that really can help you. And Sarah, so I'm going to flip what you're saying around a bit. Then it's time to also look at your digestion and tune that up a bit because digestive health, they, it's funny, they call the gut the second brain. Because it makes the gut makes more neurotransmitter brain chemicals associated with depression and anxiety even than the brain does. So, um, so if you are having anxiety, depression, one more thing you can tune up. If you're having, it's not so much a problem with indigestion and acid reflux. That's a relatively minor thing. Um, yes. Uh, but and there's a phone app called. It's a free app called Cures. C U R E S capital A dash C. Um, and there's two buck upgrade and it's, it's good. Just look up heartburn and it'll tell you how to get off of those addictive, you know, acid blockers that are unhealthy. If you're using the acid blockers, Rolaids, uh, Pepsid, those are two of the healthier ones, but the other ones, many of them I shy away from unless people need it. So it'll tell you about that. But the bigger issue is those who have gas bloating, diarrhea, constipation. Right. Okay. And um, because that means if you have, you, you, you're already telling Sarah that I'm really a big one for high tech testing. So here's my next high tech <laughs> test. I um, love these tests. Is if, if you find that you have a lot of gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, when you pass gas, does it have that kind of rotten egg sulfur smell? Remember in grade school, there'd be this one little kid who would always pass these silent pit deadlies and then turn around and smirk at everybody. That smell. Uh, if it has that sulfur smell, this is a bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine. Um, and for that, there's a mix of herbs. Uh, I like one called Ultra MFP Forte. Uh, that tells you a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth if you have the sulfur smell. Um, that mix of herbs will usually tend to knock it out. The medication Rifaxin can be good for that, although it's insanely expensive. Um, and of course, a good probiotic. Um, I like probiotics like Pearl's Elite. Um, the pearls they lead can be very good. Um, but the ultra MFP forte after one bottle will usually knock it out. And, um, so that's a simple way to begin. If you have enough gas to fill up a weather balloon, um, but it's doesn't have much of a smell to it, that's usually going to be candida overgrowth. And I'll, if you look at the Cures A to Z app, there's a whole regimen for knocking out the candida, um, and it's just note, I would add for natural treatments or over the counter, uh, something you can get is actually a pet 
flea killer uh, called Lufenera, and you can find it online. Uh, I think uh, Luf for Life in Canada, I think, has a good one. Uh, that's probably the best over-the-counter thing you can do on your own, as well as avoiding sugar. But then, as you noted, when you treat these underlying things, you can see an improvement in cognitive function. And stability. And stability. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit. So let's jump to those treatments because we've bounced it. You've you've bounced in and out of them, but there's a, you have a, a whole array of things. Before I talk specifically about treatments, um, a lot of people already who have anxiety and uh, or or um, depression are on medication. They're taking antidepressants or they're taking Xanax or or um, you know other benzodiazepines. Um, how effect, like, how should they deal with it? You know, the solution I presume is not going to be double up on your medication during this crazy time. Right? <laughs> no. In fact, that, I, I know I'm not recommending people on the medications come off it now, but I'm also, it, it poses health issues to raise it up too high anyway. But what, here's the thing. So I would start with natural things for anxiety. Um, hemp oil is outstanding, but again, that's, it's really pretty iffy in terms of quality control. So I'm, I'm very picky about what I use, which brands. If you have a dispensary near you, they tend to do better jobs with the hemp oil. Uh, I like one that we do have on our website. It's called Hemp Select. And that's the only brand that I use because that one is... Are there, is that full spectrum, isolate, or broad spectrum? Oh, totally full spectrum. Uh, okay. Because there are at least 10 cannabinoids that have been identified as being very important and active and probably closer to 50. Uh, this has the full spectrum. It has the basically 20% uh, CBD. So you have that component and then you have the full spectrum. Um, and, the, and so in general, do you say, do you believe that it has to be full spectrum to be able to assist with anxiety and depression? And to be clear, full, the, I, you and I know we're talking in code. Full spectrum has all the cannabinoids, including the THC, which is the psychoactive part. Versus broad spectrum, which is my understanding, it has everything except the THC, so it then, won't affect your saying, head at all. Then I'm saying broad spectrum by that definition. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so, so, so no THC, everything but the THC. And broad spectrum you can get over the counter as well in places. You don't have to go to a dispensary necessarily. Yeah, that you can get anywhere. Yeah. Like I said, we mm -hmm. do have that one on our website. Um, you can find it online. But the one I like is Hemp Select. And what I recommend for people to do, you can take, you can't overdose on it. I mean, they they give kids with epilepsy the equivalent of 200 pills a day, um, but it's a little pricey for that. So, um, and they'll be charging them thirty-seven thousand dollars a year to be for the honor of taking that for their epilepsy. Um, but three to five, and you can take more if you want. Um, you can just take it anytime you have anxiety, or you can take it if people with severe anxiety will take three twice a day. And then, or three times a day, or if they have trouble sleeping, they may take the last dose at night because it's outstanding for sleep. And um, is that pills or is that a, a liquid? Uh, these are pills. The liquids, okay. I find you don't get as much bang for the buck. I prefer to use the liquids topically. It depends on the brand again, but you know, uh, for the hemp select one, they do have a liquid, and that's really good if you have like a sore muscle and just rub it into that muscle. But if I'm giving it for anxiety, sleep, or overall pain, um, I'm going to give the three twice a day and five at bedtime for sleep. Uh, but people can, if they have anxiety attacks here and there, they can take five, they can take 10 if they want to help break the attack. Right. And again, getting good sleep is really critical to be able to call it, calm the entire system to make you less vulnerable 
to the panic attacks or the depression. And the virus. Uh, good sleep and the virus is dies. critical right. for, for feeling well. I mean, the average yeah. night's sleep in the United States since the light bulbs were invented was nine hours a night. That's what the average body wants, you know. So everybody's different. So see what leaves you feeling the best. You know, don't set the alarm clock. See how long you sleep for a couple nights and see how much sleep correlates with having a really good day. And then how about, so other, what else could people be doing? I think you talked about what I'll call quieting techniques. You used that term when you and I were talking. Things like, which is, I guess, you know, kind of quieting your your head and your, your whole system. Yes. First, you want to calm the environment. You do that. There's a Tai Chi move that's wonderful. You And this is where I would begin for all of you, is you... You calm, you center, you reach your hands far to the side, grab the remote control, and turn off the damn TV set and news. <laughs> that is critical. So that's the first part of the calming. That, that's really an ancient Tai Chi move. That's amazing. Oh, it's it's just they knew it even back then. How messed <laughs> up. They're not teasing. But this is just, you know, it's, first of all, stop having your environment being full of insane BS nonsense meant to scare you to death. That's that's totally that's a lie because they leave out all reasonable perspective. So turn it off. Number one. Number two. If you find that your thoughts are running wild with you, because just like the news media is, you know, remember when your kids and we used to play the game made you look. That's mm-hmm. what the news media is doing. They're saying how outrageous and outlandish a thing can we do to scare people and make them angry at everybody else, where well, we can make them look twenty four seven. You know, just keep watching. So your brain kind of also wants to, their thoughts keep trying to engage you too when you're in the anxiety place. So there's a witness technique. When you are finding that your your mind is racing and the thoughts are racing, you're going to feel like you are those thoughts. You're caught up in the whirlpool of that. But there's kind of a little platform, a little, you know, island that you can get out of the whirlpool. And you just, if you just take a moment and step outside of the thoughts and just watch them. It's called the witness state as part of mindfulness. You're simply looking at the thoughts and going, wow, that's interesting. So watch the thoughts look by and that one and the feelings that it's trying to engender and going and just witness it. So go in that witness state of observing. And from that witness state, you, you realize you're not those thoughts. You can kind of start to tune them out. So that's that's really hard to do. Um, is it you know should people kind of imagine that they're listening? It's like they're wa- listening to their friend telling them those thoughts, because it's so easy to go on that runaway thought train. Mm-hmm. That's another way. Even as you're witnessing it, you know, even as I'm I'm looking at him going, okay, yeah, no, all right, well, we're locked inside here, and everyone's got a thing, and they're all afraid of touching, <laughs> and blah, 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 blah. that it's hard, like it, it's in your head. But if I go, let me imagine that my that someone else is telling it to me, then I can, I can separate the, I can kind of stop it a little bit differently. Yes. Because you recognize it's not you. Those thoughts have been called um, in Eastern traditions called a chittering monkey. Yes. You you think of a monkey running around, flinging poo every so often. And, you know, you just kind of look at it and realize it's just a little crazy monkey and ignore it. Or uh, it's been called the roommate from hell, which is more of the descriptor you're giving. Uh, which is where you look at it as if it's somebody else talking also. Um, yes. But if somebody was that crazy, it's just kind of enorm. Um, yeah. How important is it to get outside into nature, a little sunshine, and just kind of get out of 
the enclosure of the you know our our home prisons essential for sanity (laughs) (laughs) says says the doctor who lives in hawaii says the doctor who lives in hawaii who goes out for a walk every day even now with the social distancing and sees all these other people on the trail and it's a very healthy thing to do you know what i've noticed when i've gone to the dog park people not only are they you know they're walking like out of their way to stay far away from me they're looking down and not like they think that saying hello is contagious. Oh, we're in I, Hawaii. Everybody is waving. The only thing is we're not hugging when uh, we pass each other on the trail. Oh so, no! Instead, we're giving a shaka or waving. Here they are not, and I go. I'm going out of my way now to give people really big hellos. Yes. Because they're literally, it's like in shame. They're 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 looking down in a way. I'm going like. Where, like again, back to like, why are these people behaving in that way? And the anxiety and the depression and the fear is just all over their bodies. Exactly. It's and, sad. and Sarah, they've also are almost feeling like they're social, you know, socially despicable for being there, because yes, the there's a there, yes, stay home and go for walks. Okay, so um, <laughs> we have this thing that. Um, People look at other people that are out there as if, don't you care if you're killing everybody? How dare you go take your dog for a walk? No, it's good. It's healthy. It's not going to hurt anybody. So let me give, let's go back to basic understanding of how this is spread again, because you're not going to get it from walking outside and breathing the air and getting the sunshine. All that's going to do is keep you healthy and less likely to get it and less likely to give it to other people. The way that you get it, predominantly, 90% of how people are going to catch it is they're going to be somewhere where there has been a zillion other people touching the same things those zillion other people touched and then putting their hands to their face. That's really how you catch it. So when you're out and about, say you got to go to the store to pick up, I'll be so I'll be socially more correct here and pick up some medicine or instead of the bag of Twinkies, but whatever it happens to be, you know, if you're out and about, just be conscious. Um, one, what is everybody touching? Are they touching this door handle? Are they, you know, and things that, are they touching this handrail going down into, you know, the stairs? Or are they pushing these buttons on the ATM machine? So for things that a lot of people touch, uh, I would take a handkerchief, if you have plenty of those that you can throw, or just a paper towel and fold it up. Um, so you know which side is a safe outside thing, and use that to open the doors or touch the ATM machine buttons or, you know, the credit card machine buttons. Um, things where a lot of people are touching, don't touch them unless you do something like that. Um, you can touch them as long as you don't put your hand to your face before you get home and wash your hands. So, and even if I'm going over to the supermarket to get something, um, if I'm, you know, I... And we'll have a little alcohol swab. I'll wipe down the cart handle. Um, but if I'm just walking around, I'm holding my wrists, my one wrist to the other wrist in front of me gently, just so I'm not tempted to reach out and touch everything as I go by. You know, just an easy, gentle thing. Yes. It's a reminder. Um, so not touching a bunch of everybody else's stuff unless you have a paper towel or something to put between you and then toss a paper towel. And then when you get home, wash your hands for 10 seconds to 20 seconds with soap and water. You do that. And it's really okay to be out and about. Um, you don't want to be in enclosed spaces with 50 people. You now that's when you may get the aerosolized or somebody sneezes and sneezes and sneezes. And 
Again, the research is suggesting it's not one person sneezing on you that transmits this. It's being around that same one person for quite a while. So how about if I wash my hands and you wash your hands and neither of us have been sick for, you know, we've been safe and, and quarantined, can I give you a hug? Because touching is important. I feel like people are going to, like, like, touching and human connection is so important for our sense of safety in the world and our sense of, you know, connection. <laughs> Sarah, you're, you're describing the equivalent of safe sex in a COVID era. <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding? It's going to be such a baby boom they, in nine months. Well, it, uh, I think so, you know, and uh, there's be this whole ream of babies and divorces. So anyway, yes. um, <laughs> but the, you know, I, I happen to be lucky enough to be living here in Hawaii with my favorite and to me, the most beautiful woman in the whole world who I love madly. So for me, this is a vacation. This, you know, I'm, I'm working yes. as hard as normal, it seems. But it's it's kind of a, you know, we're both pretty introverted, my wife and I. And this is kind of an introvert's holiday for us. So we love it. So we yeah. have we have our built-in uh, designated okay to hug. <laughs> but even like, I mean, my mother, so my poor mother, she lives, you know, she lives alone. And I talk to her every day. And. I'll probably go down to see her. She lives about 20 minutes away. Can I give her a hug when I see her? Well, this is, it comes back to the safe sex things. As long as you're being really reasonably careful and you're not right. out and about, then you and her may decide, you know, we're going to have an agreement that I, I'm careful and reasonable and you're careful right. and reasonable, and now we can hug each other. Right. I won't stop at the grocery store on the way to hugging her. But again, I just think, you know, an aspect of all of this, everybody's isolated, especially a whole bunch of people that are living alone, older people. Yeah, that's a good way to wish them their way off to death. (laughs) No, I don't want to do that. Um, But, you know, connection is important. Yes. So, So, and how about, go ahead. So, yes, but again, you know, both people agree to have, you know, safe sex equivalent to basically be reasonably cautious, not paranoid as you go out and about, wash your hands and the rest. And then, you know, how about the two of us? We both agree to do that and then we can hug and do all of that if we want. And, Except for we're 4,000 miles away, but yes. You know, well, you know, it's just common sense. Common sense. <laughs> yes. Um, now, how about, I'm staying on this, on this, this mind chatter a lot because that's such a, an important aspect of anxiety and depression. So, you know, during the day, it's relatively easy to switch your mind. You get up, you go for a walk, you go outside, you turn on music, whatever. Somehow those fears get even worse at night. If you're not able to sleep or you wake up and now it's dark and two in the morning. Now, like, is it, do you have different strategies at all for the middle of the night than during the day? Well, there are. I mean, the hemp oil, and there's, for things, for those of you who are having trouble sleeping, um, three awesome things for sleep. One is called hemp oil or hemp select. The other is called the revitalizing sleep formula, which is a mix of six herbs that leaves most people sleeping like puppies. Um, and then there's terrific ZZZZ, terrific Z's, which is a mix of uh, four essential oils. So there's a lot you can do just naturally to really help induce sleep and the rest. Um, but we haven't talked about something called progressive relaxation. You can go on Amazon. They have a whole bunch of uh, progressive relaxation tapes. They have some that are also autogenic training all in one. Um, and you can use these during the day when you're anxious. because, And that's something 
you can do even if your mind chatters doing because you'll just it'll teach you to go muscle by muscle contract and relax it and you'll find by the end of that you're going to feel like a, a really wonderfully limp distract it's like oh but if you do this right before you go to sleep um it will help you drift into sleep especially after you've done it for a couple of nights uh, so your body starts it becomes your bedtime routine and your your body just reaches for it instead of the thoughts um i will note that for some of you who have uh, racing thoughts at bedtime where you're tired and hangry all day and but your mind is wide awake and racing at bedtime that's part of the adrenal fatigue process and taking some phosphatidylserine uh, about 200 milligrams 60 to 90 minutes before bed will let your stress hormone levels drop so you can fall asleep um, and then you may if you also find you wake up at two in the morning wide awake that's also part of that same loss of day and night cycle when the stress handler gland is off eating a protein snack at bedtime can help that like a hard-boiled egg or an ounce or two of meat and cheese gives you stable blood sugars through the night so if you recognize yourself in the pattern hangry all day and exhausted uh, nighttime mind wide awake and racing and then two in the morning i get my something wakes me up with a start or wide awake that's that whole adrenal process. So we talked about adrenoplex in the morning. You can get sleep tonight or phosphatidylserine at night and a nighttime protein, 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 not carb. Uh, is, there a is there a shorthand on the label phosphatidylserine? Is that uh, is it called it, anything short? No, it's uh, the sleep tonight will contain it. So yeah, okay. uh, that's an easy way to do it. Got um, it. All right. But Let's talk about talk nutrition. Go ahead. Okay. What do you want to talk about? You go. You know, the thing is, part of the fear here, like I said at the beginning, is that people feel powerless because there's nothing they can do. And I want to talk about two treatments that um, I think are is going to make all the difference in the world in this illness. And because the, the president also mentioned them, suddenly half the news media became, this is the devil, it's going to kill you, Nothing, and it's just... He could have said, just say hello to each other in the morning. And we become so divisive in our politics. I'm not on both sides. You know, I, yes. I, I despair of watching. The, you know, to me, you know, people ask, which side are you on? I say, neither side. You know, to me, you know. America. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, if you look at a tree, you have the part that's stable, slowly right. changing the tree trunks and, you know, and the, and the roots of the tree. And then you've got the rapidly changing growing edge and crown of the tree that fruits and flowers and has leaves but falls every year. Um, societies are like that. We There's a reason all over the world, half are conservative and half are liberal, maybe independent. You can take 10% from each in the middle. Um, it's because a healthy society needs a balance of both. And, yes. And, and not to have one part of the tree attacking the other. So, I you know, but the thing is, once he said that, you're hearing all the stuff in the media. And I'm talking about Plaquenil, which is hydroxychloroquine, um, mm -hmm. and the Zithromax, the antibiotic. Uh, yep. There are more study after study after study than now probably over 1,000 people in the studies and case reports um, where they're seeing that people go from being uh, still contagious from the average of 20 to 22 days or 44 if it's a gut infection, um, down to three or four days with this combination. And the combination is cheap, it's 15 bucks, it's very, very safe and very effective. And in the most recent uh, grouping that went through, there was another study 
um, out of China. That was a randomized study, which was important to have. Um, four people in the control group who didn't get it out of the 32 landed up on the intensive care unit. Nobody in the treated group landed up on the intensive care unit. This is a very effective treatment to start it early, and I think it really can change everything for people here. So what do you say, you know, back to some of the people that no matter what the government says, they're going to complain and, and throw scud missiles. Um, I've seen people say, oh, but there's a risk of AFib. Okay. Now I have my answer to it, but how, how do you answer those people? Because that's been part of the argument of it's not fully tested yet and there is a potential side effect among some people. Good. So number one, it has not gone through placebo-controlled randomized testing. What mm -hmm. was most important here was that this study be randomized because otherwise yes. you have healthy the groups are different. But this was randomized, the last study I just gave out of China. Right. Um, and to say, and to make clear also, to do full testing, I mean, they want that that takes years and years and years. Mm -hmm. What they've gotten to in such a short amount of time is phenomenal but you're not going to have the same extreme testing in this amount of time under this emergency circumstance. There, there's a time to apply common sense along with the science. You right. know, I, 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 I like to joke that, um, I'm going to ramble over here. Let me pass on that. But anyway, if a house on fire, you don't do a double blind study you, to see if fire right. engines work, you call the fire department. And the results are so consistently positive in this case. And the, I think the odds are 90 plus percent right. that this is going to work. And the downside, $15 a person. And in terms of the toxicity, any outlet that is inferring that it will cause retinal vision damage to take the hydroxychloroquine, um, there have been probably over 20 million people who have taken these short courses. There is not a single, not one reported case of retinal damage from the medication taken in the short courses we're talking about here. That's all people who have taken it for at least five years. Right. So if you have a news media that's implying, well, you could get the retinal damage, turn it off because they are, what's a medical term, F-O-S? <laughs> well, the other thing is that people are forgetting if they listen to any advertising for any drug, all those warnings, like every drug has these effects, That you know, whether mm -hmm. it's retinal damage, whether it's AFib, whether it's increased risk of heart disease, stroke diabetes, you name it, that they don't realize every time they take a prescription, there's some risk of other effect. Yes. And let me put it, so looking at the plaquenil hydroxychloroquine, there have right. also been no reported cases of, of dangerous arrhythmias used short term for the five to 10 days, even though it can prolong QT interval. We've had 20 million people who have taken this for malaria. We haven't seen any of this. Yes. Um, and for the Zithromax, you're looking at 47 in a million cases that may have uh, the dangerous arrhythmia that'll happen where you're looking at death out of every million people. You're looking at 10 to 30,000 people who'll die from the virus versus 47 from something that can shut it down. Right. So right. it's just common sense and the media leaves all that out when they're attacking it. So yes, exactly. when you see these things, just realize, oh, that's nice. I know right now that they are FOS and I can turn them off, that they're just lying to me. Mm -hmm. And I recommend doing so. Um, and the people I treat, again, at first sign of the virus, I do bump the uh, the zinc back up to 50 milligrams if they dropped it back down to the 15. Um, and I make sure they stay hydrated. I will increase their vitamin C, just increasing vitamin C. Uh, just taking the 500 milligrams a day can make a big difference, but I'll go to 500 to 1,000 four times a day if they're not having uncomfortable diarrhea. 
Um, I will have people drink a cup or two of licorice tea, maybe morning and noontime, because that helps the stomach and a can. That, that we don't have the studies yet for this virus, because we know that it'll kill the virus, but we don't know how high an intravenous dose is needed. But even by mouth can help. And I will put all of the people I treat, um, with very rare exceptions, um, on the Zithromax and the Plaquenil. Uh, these are five and six day courses uh, that they take of each. And I think that this is going to go ahead and make the disease much milder in the vast majority of people. And frankly, I'm at a place myself and my wife as well, where we're thinking, you know, we'd rather not catch the virus. But, you know, if we got it, it wouldn't be a big deal because it's probably, and I'm in the, you know, I, I was born more than 65 years ago, although I feel 31. Yes. Um, you know, I don't feel worried about it. I figure I will take the Zithromax, I will take the Plaquenil, I will take the licorice, I will up the pink, yes. I will drink plenty of water, and I'll be fine. And I think that's the simple truth of it. And, I think and that's then, great. And then I will be immune. So I'm not, even if I get it, I'm not worried about it. I'm just being taking proper cautions. And uh, these simple tools you talked about today um, can make this illness much milder. And the Plaquenil, uh, they currently have about 50 million tablets that they supply to the national stockpile. Uh, they're going to the hospitals first, as they should, and then perhaps for people with uh, autoimmune disease who have been on it for years and need it. But my thinking is that uh, mid to end April, this is the uh, Plaquenil should be back in the drugstores, is my hope. And should be readily available and hopefully being used as a standard treatment for this so that once they have a treatment, then people can, can get along just as they catch the flu, that they, they might catch this and they get the treatment and they move along. And they feel safe. Um, one la exactly. So one last question. Once we're all let out, how do, we're back to the anxiety and the depression, it's going to be fearful. Like I think that it's going to take a long time for people to get over the fears of germs and connection and people and closeness. So how do they, what can people do to shake off those fears and kind of get back to the worlds? Well, when they give the all clear that it's okay to be out and about and such again, um, just remember, you know, then think about this as that becomes a time to make up for the time lost that you had hugging people. So, you know, when we have the wake-up call that it's okay to be out, then it's the make-up call where you go out and you kind of make the friends again, you hug and the whole thing. Think of it as making up for lost time and enjoy that closeness again. Drink it in and remember. Yeah. And hopefully we'll all appreciate that freedom mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, we've been taking it for granted. It's really a fascinating time of reflection. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum, you're awesome. Thank you so very much. More information at your website at vitality101.com. Mm -hmm. And you stay safe. Thank you very, and very much. Sarah, one other thing. Uh, we didn't talk about the financial stresses. There's yes. a lot in the $2 trillion bill that just came out that can help most everybody make it through this okay financially, too. I'll be putting some of that information at Vitality 101. There'll be the link to the, in, the FAC and information um, on the virus. And I'll go ahead and put that information on getting those loans and things as well from the government. Perfect. Grants. Perfect. What a great resource. All right. Thank you so much. And we will talk very soon. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Be well, right, everybody. Thanks. Okay. Bye. I'm talking to Dr. Jacob Teitelbaum about anxiety and depression. 
and how to protect yourself from it during the very frightening COVID-19 epidemic. 12% of Americans are taking antidepressants, yet for the vast majority of them, the medication is not only ineffective, it poses other risks to their health. Dr. Teitelbaum has helped thousands of patients find vital health with his balanced perspective on the judicious use of conventional medicine, along with natural strategies to help the body function at its best. He's just one of thousands of top experts who are part of the Brain Trust for our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, where we provide guidance to help you live happier, healthier, and wealthier. Our experts share insights on not just emotional health, but on all aspects of your life, including managing your money, smart home repair, living a healthy life, how to find bargains, unique travel destinations, smart tax strategies, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.